Black Friday. It's the biggest online shopping day of the year. And for the next few weeks, all we're talking about is maximizing your holiday traffic and increasing average order value. A great way to do that is to offer bundle deals. And the easiest way to do that is with the Bold Product Bundles app. The Bold Bundles app is my favorite app by far for creating bundle offers. During times like Black Friday, when customers are probably looking to purchase multiple items anyway, it's just a smart move to make it super easy for them to buy more. And since it's a Bold app, you know it's going to have all the bells and whistles. So they let you create three different types of bundles. First is the standard bundle, like buy a specific hat and scarf together, get 10% off. But there's also the mix and match bundle. This would be like buy any hat, add any scarf, and get 10% off. And when they add the items to the cart, it automatically looks for bundles and reduces the prices. I love this one because it lets customers choose their own bundle offer. And then third, it'll even do BOGO bundles. You can add Bold Bundles app to your store right now, free for 14 days by visiting boldcommerce.com or searching Bold Bundles in the Shopify app store. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com slash unofficial. That's seomanager.com slash unofficial. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording from beautiful gray EtherCycle HQ atop Skokie, Illinois' Westfield Old Orchard Mall in the professional building. And I love gear. Certainly, I engage in my share of rampant consumerism. Um, And when I buy stuff, I don't want to buy garbage. I want to buy stuff for life. In fact, there's a subreddit for this called Buy It For Life, I believe. And I am lucky to have, in Bite for Life, had more than one client who has made products so wonderful, so durable, that they get shared in uh, Reddit's Bite for Life subreddit. And recently, I, I started working with a merchant who falls into that space. And for whatever reason, often it's leather goods or like um, you know, men's goods in general. And so we did a, a customer development survey for this group and we asked people a series of open-ended questions to learn about what they're getting out of this brand and we're like you know what why did you buy what kind of person why did you buy what'd you get out of it what kind of person do you think would buy this product and over and over the same things kept coming up they said people who appreciate handmade quality leather goods people who want something durable that will last uh a a long time 
and people who just want a good darn men's wallet. Well, so today we're talking to Popoff Leather, Ryan Popoff of Popoff Leather, and he started handmaking leather goods in his basement, the basement of a rental suite, uh, not terribly long ago, and now has a million-dollar business with 12 full-time employees operating out of a proper 1,400-square-foot workshop. Man, that is the size of my last last condo that we lived in, with two kids, no less. That was tight. Uh, Ryan, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Hey, Kurt. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So did I, did I get that <clears throat> intro right? Is there anything I screwed up in there? <laughs> no, you nailed it. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me in your own words, what is Popov Leather? So Popov Leather, um, like you mentioned, we make uh, handmade leather goods. And essentially anything you can hold in your hand or wear around your waist, like a belt or a you know, a bag we kind of, we kind of offer, um, you know, we take a lot of pride in, in making things that are, like you said, handmade and, um, you know, a lot of attention to detail. Everything's made in house here. And, uh, you know, we, we try to, we try to put the emphasis on, on quality and handmade. So whatever we can, we can kind of tackle or what our customers are asking us for. That's essentially what we do. So the, well, when you put it that way, it sounds very simple. You go, well, you know, we make, essentially, uh, you had a skill, you liked leather goods, you make, started making leather goods, and you just make stuff that's good quality and people want. That doesn't sound too complicated or crazy. <laughs> yeah, and I guess, I guess, Kurt, it kind of started with um, my own needs. You know, when I, when I started the business or, you know, started doing leather work, it was because I wanted a wallet that wasn't offered on the market, and that kind of you know, that's, that's kind of how a lot of entrepreneurs start. They, they create a product that isn't on the market. So for me, it was a wallet that didn't have any branding, you know, it was very minimalistic and that's kind of, you know, how we carry things forward. So all our products don't have any branding. Whoa, you're our, right. I did yeah. not catch that before. <laughs> yeah. So we don't, we don't really emphasize that. We kind of let the product speak for itself. And so we, we built the business on word of mouth. So a lot of people, you know, we'll ask folks, you know, where'd you get your wallet? And then they'll say, Hey, you know, I got it from these guys. So we rely on that. We don't, um, you know, for me having a wallet with brands and stuff on, I don't, I don't want to walk around with, you know, advertising. So that's, that's just kind of how we build our products. And that's kind of what got me started. It, well, you, you make it sound easy, but that is, that's the common <laughs> entrepreneurial story is someone says, Hey, I need a I need a product that fills X niche. And you said, oh, listen, I want something without branding on it, but I don't want junk. I want, you know, a nice leather wallet without, that's not plastered with a logo. So I've got, yeah. like my, I, I just bought a new wallet. Previously, I had a Coach Monogram wallet. That is nothing but branding. The entire pattern is a logo, yeah. right? Yeah. So you said, listen, I need this and nothing that fit the bill existed. So you said, why not me? Did you have leather making experience or was this the thing that kicked it off where you're like, all right, I want to start in leather goods? Uh, no, I, I mean, I had a little bit of background in sculpture, so I, that was kind of my specialty in, in art school. And then I, you know, I graduated and started working a day job. And at night, uh, you know, during my downtimes, I, I needed to fill my creative, I don't know, desire or pursuit or whatever with something. And, sure. uh, you know, leather work came up as, as kind of a, interesting way to do that i had no experience in it and i just kind of taught myself watched a bunch of youtube videos you know mm. interacted on leatherworking forums with with other folks and just got really into it i don't know i just almost to the almost to the point of obsession and uh, i just i really had to make that make that wallet that i really wanted and 
I don't know, that just kind of what started it and drove me. I love it that it's, that leatherworking was your creative outlet. Like, I totally get that. I think a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people need that, that creative outlet where they can make something and share it with the world. Like, it's that, yep. that joy of, of achievement of that you made a thing and put it out into the world. And, yeah. like, for me, it, it's photos and videos. I think, like, it's a creative endeavor. I like that a lot. So I totally get it. And it's so much more fun when it's a physical thing that you can make, like leather goods. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when your business is your passion, it makes life easier. So you were saying, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Kurt. I was just going to say, there's no better um, validation or, or, you know, pat on the back than having someone give you money for something that you made. So for me, you know, having that wallet and selling it, that's what really kind of kick-started the, the rest of the business. You know, just having those first few initial sales and being like, wow, you know. Maybe I'm onto something here. So when you made the you made the first one for yourself, how did you go from there to selling the first one to selling the first ten? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> for me, it was kind of finding a way to uh, keep the hobby going. So after I developed that one wallet, Jill was like, "Hey, you should maybe throw that up on Etsy." And I, you know, I had no e-commerce experience or anything like that, so I was a little hesitant. And of course, you know, putting anything online. There's always a huge risk of failure and feeling bad about yourself. So I just did it anyways. We threw it up and, uh, you know, in a couple of days, someone bought it. So we use that money to put towards better tools and, you know, better uh, material. And eventually, you know, people kept buying that same wallet and we kind of expanded, um, you know, our lineup into book covers, different types of wallets. And along the way, you kind of learn the sort of the tricks of, I won't say tricks, but sort of the search engine optimization techniques on Etsy. And, um, you know, that kind of snowballed into us having a, a business on Shopify because a lot of the, the strategies that you learn on Etsy are very transferable. So, um, you know, it's not just understanding uh, how to come up in, ster- in search, but it's also standing out. So, you know, product photography, product copy, pricing, that sort of thing. So all of all the sort of the basic elements. So you started with Etsy. It's mm-hmm. wonderful uh, as a when you're initially starting out to validate your idea with a marketplace because you don't have to worry nearly as much about building the audience. Like they're mm-hmm. providing that for you. There's a lot mm-hmm. of the marketing gets done by the marketplace and a lot of the infrastructure. Um, what? How long were you on Etsy, and what made you before you said, "Okay, let's build. Let's start building our own brand." So what worried me a little bit about Etsy is having sort of all your eggs in one basket and not owning that basket. So there was a point where, you know, we were making enough money to quit our day jobs. And it was kind of at that point where we're like, well, you know, if if we stay on Etsy and they decide to change something radically, we have no say or control over it. So, you know, for example, um, they charge for advertising on their platform. They charge for transaction fees, that sort of thing. And, you know, they could decide to raise those or just do some radical things, which have happened in the past. So we decided to jump ship um, and move to Shopify and sort of establish our brand um, further on Shopify. So instead of directing traffic to our Etsy page, we started just sending folks to our uh, our Shopify page. And because we had built up sort of a, uh, following on Etsy, it wasn't too hard to to transition. So when you know when I talk to folks who are who are starting out, you know, with the handmade space, <clears throat> for the reason you mentioned, you know, having the marketplace already there, I always say, you know, start on Etsy, you know, learn how to do 
all the all the stuff that makes you sort of pop up in search and get people buying your things and sort of validate your products and then move over to uh to another platform we're still on etsy but um i mean it's just like a fraction of of what we're doing on our our shopify store right now and for someone who's on etsy uh who's got it as maybe they're initially trying to validate their their brand their product or they're just trying to add an additional sales channel to their existing online presence what would you what are what are two of those like top tips that people need for success on Etsy? Because I have so little experience here beyond like it seems like a really cheap place to buy gifts. Like I've gotten the best mm-hmm. gifts for my wife from Etsy. <clears throat> yeah, and that's that's kind of unfortunate because they don't really police um, a lot of the listings on Etsy. So you're competing with people who are simply just reselling products brought in overseas, um, but. There are still people who go on there looking for, you know, high quality goods or, you know, handmade products. So if I were to give advice to to anyone who who wanted to jump into Etsy and start selling there, I would first, you know, learn about like the um, search engine optimization side of things. So, you know, how do tags affect um, your search or sorry, your, your product listing? How do you... Um, you know, how do you word your titles? They all kind of play into each other. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of advice online that you can look for. And it's it's fairly simple. But, um, you know, focus on that. Then focus on your product photography. So it's, you know, it's one thing coming up in, in the search results. It's another thing to be sort of an attractive click or to stand out from everywhere, everyone else. When we first started on Etsy, um, you know, we were doing the white background thing. You know, on Amazon, every product needs a white background. And right. that's you know, we jumped in thinking that that was the way to go. <clears throat> but when folks were looking for leather wallets, of course, we looked like every other listing. So then I started using a, a burlap sack as a background, so a nice textured background. And then all of a sudden, we started getting more sales. And then all of a sudden, I, st- I started seeing everyone else, you know, use textured backgrounds. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, you know, I, I up until two years ago, I was using a wood plank background. And then I started seeing a lot of our competitors do that. And so this year we switched to a different textured background. And I'll be really curious to see if anyone else uses the same sort of strategies. It's a very uh, specific type of material. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's one thing to show up and search, but it's another thing to actually get people to click on your listing. And then once you have them looking at your product, then you have to think about, okay, how do I sell it? You know, is my price appropriate? Um, you know, there's a lot of things that you can test on Etsy. And uh, because, like you said, there's a marketplace already there or, or folks already there, you don't have to worry about the, um, you know, the cost per click advertising kind of thing. Um, and another really cool thing about, or I think that's cool about Etsy, is they give new um, product listings and new sellers a, a leg up. So if if you're a brand new seller on Etsy and you get uh, like a, a product listed, they will they will give you a boost in search engine just a Hmm. search engine rankings just to give you a shot and see if people click on it so if you can if you can dial in your product photography and you know get the seo stuff figured out you you have a good shot of you know testing your your product fairly easily when you say dial in product photography Mm -hmm. what do you mean by that where would i start with that because i think that's where a lot of people fall flat on their face initially is like you don't know if you the product was the problem the pitch you or just the photos Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a huge struggle for me. Um, you know, and I, I still struggle with it. So I, I do all the photography for, for pop-off leather. And one of the biggest ways um, 
that's helped me uh, was actually just just doing Instagram every day. So for me, um, you know, shooting Instagram has has taught me, you know, how to compose photos, what people like seeing in photos. Um, you know, I, I learn how to use my camera every day and eventually you, you kind of upgrade your equipment to, to kind of suit your needs. At first I, you know, I was shooting on a DSLR, um, and just kind of doing rudimentary sort of edits in Lightroom and stuff like that. Now it's fairly sophisticated, but I, I kind of just learned all that by doing Instagram every day. You know, you eventually use a tool enough, you start to get fairly savvy with it. So if I were, you know, if I were to give anyone advice on, on product photography, um, I would say start with Instagram because, you know, you can build a, a following on Instagram as you do it. And then you can use all that uh, media that you've created on your website and in your product listings. So you kind of have a twofold approach. And we use a lot of that, that content over and over again, like in our emails and, and things like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. For us, Instagram was, was like just instrumental in, in learning sort of the product photography stuff. And for me, you know, like I said, standing out, if you can, if you can make your products stand out, try to do that as much as possible. Cause you're, you know, if you're selling on Etsy, like if you're selling on a marketplace, you just, you have to, you have to look different you have to stand out. From, okay. I like yeah. this idea. So we, we need professional photos, but more importantly, we need something different than what everybody else is doing. So mm-hmm. your initial move was, hey, I have a background. And just by virtue of it not being product on white, that immediately helped it stand out. And it helps set like a tone and a feel for the product as well. Hold up. We'll hear more after this quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your Shopify store. It works with your existing email and chat tools, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler provides on-demand, U.S.-based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat with 24-7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I. And now, back to the show. Hit me. Okay, Facebook knows I'm, I'm interested in photography. Lately, I've been getting ads for like a pack of just background backdrop tiles for doing product photos which mm-hmm. i thought was kind of clever mm-hmm. um and to your point about different backgrounds i don't know, i just look for stuff around my house it's like all right i've got this ceramic tile floor i've got this marble countertop i've got uh this beat up wood floor over here like i i just look for um look for those different backgrounds because it really changes the photo so totally. what's your out of curiosity and i know the best camera is the one that you have on you but what what is your current what's your current gear look like now? What are you shooting with most often? Uh, so I have a full frame uh, D750, an Nikon, cool. and uh, I use a Sigma Art Series lens for nice. sort of our our day to day kind of in the workshop kind of photos. What focal then, range? Uh, you know what? I couldn't tell you. I that's that's me being an amateur photographer. I don't. I have no idea. I, I just know it's the the Art Series lens. Yeah, those are nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and for product photography, I have a macro uh, macro lens that I use. That would be like my biggest recommendation for people is um, get get any whatever camera you're comfortable with. It could be you know micro four thirds, a full frame like your your D seven fifty or my sixty two. Mm-hmm. But grab grab a macro lens for product mm-hmm. photography. It will make your life dramatically easier and really make photos look better. Um, yeah. 
And there are some cheap options. Like I have a, a Canon 50 millimeter macro that I bought used on eBay for a couple hundred bucks. Um, and that really dramatically improves things. Absolutely. The, yeah. Do you do anything with lighting? Uh, yeah. So I have a, a diffused, um, just camera, camera, um, oh, what's it called? It's just a diffused light. Um, one of the, one of the big challenges with selling leather goods or any sort of tangible good, uh, on, on, uh, on the internet, at least for me is, is knowing how it will feel or like sort of the texture. So like one right. of the things with leather is the tactile feel, right? So we get a lot of comments about that. So for me, having decent lighting where you can sort of catch the grains and, you know, a macro lens that can really emphasize that was, was key. Um, yeah, I struggled a lot with lighting in the early days. Um, it took a really long time to kind of figure that out. Yeah, you've got looking at your photos, they've got, um, it's like a, a really soft off-axis light um, that the end result is the leather looks genuinely supple in appearance. Like it has, you could tell that it, it, it's soft. Mm-hmm. So with the, yeah, certainly it, leather could be shiny and you get like a lot of glare. I appreciate being able to to take a great photo of leather goods. So on the, the topic of photography, you mentioned Instagram several times. Is Instagram your favorite social media channel? Uh, yeah, I would say so, um, but not necessarily for, you know, bringing folks to our website. So that that's kind of a weird thing for me to say. Um, YouTube is probably our best channel for, you know, getting the word out there, and it's not through you know, our efforts, it's through sort of the uh, micro influencers that we work with. Um, Instagram has been valuable for me, like I said, just for learning photography and for, you know, getting content for, for our various marketing initiatives like email and so on. Um, I would say out of the, the ones that we produce content for Instagram, yeah, I would say is my favorite. And then YouTube is probably my second. So you mentioned influencers, with YouTube, mm-hmm. how do you get access to influencers? What do you look for? Because from what I've seen is this goes one of two ways. You either get it goes like you get ripped off or you get <laughs> nothing out of it. Yeah. And you've paid like given your stuff to a random person, you have paid them, they did the work and it just didn't convert to anything. Or yeah. it's like tremendously successful, you drives a ton of traffic for like 48 72 hours. Yeah. So when I say YouTube's my favorite, it's because it's not ephemeral like Instagram. So on Instagram, when you deal with a when you deal with an insul- influencer, sorry, they have your product for a little while, and then there's either a, a burst of traffic or nothing or whatever, but then it disappears, right? Because people seldom yeah. go through your feed, or and then even worse, Google doesn't pick it up. So like, there's no, you know, if they if someone searches for whatever your product is, Instagram's never going to appear on search engine listings. Um, so for us, uh, I mean, we've, we've worked with all sorts of influencers in the past and what's really worked well is the folks on, on YouTube who aren't, you know, super popular. I I mean, I'm not going to say super popular, but you know, people who have, um, you know, 2000 to 20,000 subscribers, that sort of thing. Oh, that's people who I'm right in, (laughs) I'm I'm at like 20, 2300, I think. Oh, sweet. Okay. So maybe, <laughs> maybe you could do a video for us. Um, <laughs> so we, we look at specific niches. So we have a variety of leather goods. Um, right now we're, we're looking at the everyday carry community. So it's very okay. simple for us to, you know, run a, 
run a search on on YouTube looking for everyday carry and then kind of filtering out the folks who, like I said, between two to 20,000. And then we, we look for the people who have the business contacts in their profile and we go, hey, you know, simple two sentence email, you know, we think that uh, you know our our product might resonate really well with your audience. Can we just send you something? No obligation to do a review. We're just generally curious about what you think of it. And like I'm telling the truth, you know, like just check it out. If you're happy, chances are you'll probably do a review and be stoked that we sent you something. And that's you know that's ninety percent of the times that we we send something out, they'll do it. And we kind of just repeat this process over and over again with with different. Um, with folks in that range and i really like it because they are people who are really engaged with their audience they're they're showing that you know they're working hard to grow their channel but at the same time they're not looking to be paid or to be shills you know you you talk to people who are five hundred thousand followers they they have marketing managers they have people who are like okay you know i'll do this but it'll be you know five thousand dollars for a video or, or something like that so for us we're we're able to scale the approach with micro influencers by, you know, essentially the the cost of an email and, and sending out a free product. And it's it's worked really well. So I think we're on average right now we're getting about a hundred YouTube videos a month. Um, and we've been doing it since April. So like if you go on YouTube right now and you look up pop off leather, you'll see all the all the awesome folks we've been working with. And, and when yeah. we talked when we did that that customer survey for you that and we asked um, you know, hey, how'd you hear about us? Word of mouth by far is the largest category, but there mm. were a lot that were like, yeah, YouTube or like this community, um, like this forum, this subreddit, this uh, this specific like YouTube channel. It was cool to see. I mean, it really mm-hmm. was the power of you make something great and then enable people to talk about it. And the craziest thing is there's no branding on the product and people are still <laughs> out there recommending it. If yeah. anything, they may be more comfortable recommending it with that it has this like low you have this very low-key approach to branding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's worked really well. Uh, and on the topic of branding, your last name is Popoff, P-O-P-O-F-F. The leather brand is Popoff Leather, P-O-P-O-V. <laughs> this has driven me nuts ever since I noticed it. <laughs> what, what's going on there? Uh, so yeah, that that was essentially... <laughs> uh, when we when we first started Popoff Leather, you know, I, I had... I thought about this for a really long time. So Popoff is uh, it's a very common uh, Dukabor um, last name, and Dukabors are uh, Russians who who sort of emigrated from Russia. Um, but it's not a really well known last name. So I kind of thought, well, if if you know our customers are, are coming from the states and they're buying pop off leather, like what does that mean? That's more of a verb, right? Like, and that just kind of sounds silly. So uh, I changed the last. Um, last couple of letters to pop off with an ov and essentially it's it means the same thing it's the same last name so it's the same surname just spelled differently um and it's it's more of a name when you look at the brand it, it's a name it's not a it's not a verb so it's it's a very it's a very silly but simple sort of twist on the on the on the name there and that's why we did it okay i mean having grown up in chicago where there are literally more polish people in chicago than in warsaw um, <laughs> quite and like a lot of Ukrainians and Russians uh, grew up with those those guys, I this makes way more sense now than <laughs> previously. Okay, right. <laughs> um, so going back to your journey, because you've given given us a, a lot of great insights overall here. But going back to your journey, you started working out of a basement, 
And it was just you, of course, and your, your wife, who is um, really supportive, and that is tremendously valuable and in many cases necessary. Yeah. But now you've got this much bigger business with 12 full-time employees and a big proper workshop that looks really cool. How did you get there? Like where you said, how did you know, man, we got to move, we got to rent a proper space and we got to hire our first person. Mm-hmm. I think there's a crossroads that every entrepreneur or every craftsperson comes to. And it's, you know, the decision, do I want to stay as a hobby and, you know, be comfortable or do I want to really drive this and, and make a difference and, you know, put my mark on something. So we took, we took that road, you know, where I was like, you know, let's let's grow this. Let's just see where the, where this takes us. So we were fortunate in that just folks, um, you know, they live in Nelson. They helped us build a home here, and the bottom floor was going to be a, um, a workshop, so just dedicated to a workshop. And um, we had our first our first child um, shortly after, and we moved moved into the into the home. And it was at that point where. You know, Jill was my better half, and now her days are, are taken up with with Thomas, and I was kind of left on my own and a bit bit of a panicky situation. So I I asked one of my friends. I said, "Hey, you know, do you want to come work with me part time?" And that part time turned into full time. And then you know, once you get over that that hump of being scared about you know employing someone, being responsible for a paycheck, you start to realize that you could get a lot more done in your day if you had more help around the workshop. And, uh, you know, in those early days, I focused really hard on making sure that the person who we hired um, could do just as good as a job as I could making a wallet. And that was kind of my focus. And that freed me up to um, to start really, really working on the website, really, really working on our marketing initiatives. And uh, essentially, that that's kind of taken me out of the workshop. So, um now, now I'm just focused on on building the business. Like we we outgrew our our workshop in our house, you know, within a year. We had I don't know six employees here. We we're just tripping over each other, and then we moved into the workshop. And you know, at this rate, we're adding two to three employees a year right now. We just hired a production manager. Um, you know, we have a. <laughs> it's crazy. It's really crazy. Um, we just instituted a a kanban system. So now instead of uh, getting an order and making an order to to suit, we we can actually pull the pieces off a shelf and have stuff out within five business days. We're looking to have stuff out within one business day pretty soon. Um, you know, we're going to be the the Amazon of handmade leather goods at at <laughs> you know in the next six months. We'll see, but uh, <laughs> hopefully, it's, With yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy ride. But what's been really important for me. And I think what's really helped us sustain our growth and help us scale is um, customer service and our commitment to quality. So, you know, even with getting stuff out the door within five business days, we still have a really rigorous um, quality assurance method. So, like, you know, everyone has a really keen attention to detail and along each step. It's it's super important for me because, you know, like I mentioned, word of mouth is what grew us and word of mouth is what's going to keep growing us. And if we compromise compromise on quality or if we compromise on how we treat our customers that's just it's going to tank us um so you know like i said i like to let our work speak for itself um itself and uh you know how we treat our customers is, is paramount to that and absolutely that has come through i mean if you look through the reviews one word comes up over and over quality 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 i was just unreal how into this this product and the brand people are 
the sad part is it's because you just lived up to your promise. You said, hey, we have a lifetime and satisfaction guarantee. We hand make quality goods in our workshop. That That's what you people get when they buy. And mm-hmm. the prices are very reasonable. Um, and I, I've told you this privately. Is like I think you should raise your prices. I really do. For the quality, for what people are getting, I think this stuff should cost more. So that's a certainly I would I would take that as the the highest compliment I can give. It's what I tell someone. You got to charge more. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> when did you start this? I I don't think I asked. Uh, so it was six years ago, 2013. Um, yeah, we were living in Victoria in the in the basement suite. So that's that's kind of when we started. If you had to go back and tell yourself one thing, because our time portal only opens for 15 seconds and then it closes, you can only <laughs> tell your six yourself six years ago one thing what is it what's one thing you would do differently or tell yourself i kurt i get asked that um often and my answer is always nothing because without having those failures um you would never have successes because you don't learn from constant success right you learn from falling down and picking yourself up so a lot of that was what got me here today so you know i I don't think i would change anything i think that that's wise and I think it's sage advice because you're right. If you look at yourself 10 years ago and you're not a better person because of all the mistakes you made in that time, well, then you're probably just not getting better and you're a crappy person, right? Like you have to (laughs) – those mistakes, those failures, those things that, man, I wish I could go back and change that. Well, Mm -hmm. they're what – they. that's what made you who you are now. That's what got you here. So like certainly there are Mm -hmm. things I wish I could do that differently. But I I think you got to look at it and go, oh – you have to think about those failures of failures go, thank you for that, that opportunity universe that taught me I don't want to do that again. Totally. Yeah, 100%. So what's looking down the line? What's next? What are the things that – what's on the horizon? What are, you, what are you struggling with? What do you want to do differently? Mm-hmm. Tell us where this is going. Yeah, so for me um, my biggest struggle is stepping into the CEO role, You know, pulling myself away from the uh, – the ground level of the workshop. I find it impossible. Like I, I always have to have my hands in everything. Um, but there are other things that, you know, I, I need to learn how to delegate. So these are just personal things that I'm working on. Um, in terms of the business though, we, we just hired um, someone to help us full time with product development. So we're looking at releasing a new product uh, maybe once per month. Uh, we're thinking, yeah, it's insane. Um, but this, this person has been with us you know, for three years and she really understands the business and she really understands what makes a good product. So really excited about it. And um, we're thinking about maybe creating a private community of folks who can help us test these products before they launch. So having... Oh my uh, gosh, do it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and like I mentioned, we have a production manager now. So he's he's streamlining our production and our, our you know, we're looking at more efficient ways of shipping. Um, so these are all things that are kind of 2019. And then beyond that, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but, uh, you know, we're, we're just going to keep growing hopefully. And, and be, a. I think, I think one of my biggest points of pride is being a local employer. So being able to move back to my hometown and, and, uh, employing a lot of people who are really stoked to, to be leather workers. So, um, just continue to do that. Yeah. I think those are, uh, excellent goals and plans for mm-hmm. the the community it's going to be a like a vip group of customers and what would that look like would it be like all right we took our you know our a thousand best customers 
and invited them. You do it like off lifetime value in Clavio or number of purchases, mm-hmm. um, and then invite those people to like a private Facebook group. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, just uh, we have a number of people. Like our, I think our repeat purchase rate is somewhere where like thirty to forty percent. So you know, anyone who's made more than three purchases in the last couple of years, I would probably just personally send them a an email, be like, "Hey, are you interested in this?" And we actually have a. Uh, a thread on our website where people can suggest new products so i might just reach out to those folks as well and be like hey you should come here and see what we're working on very cool mm-hmm. we we didn't talk general tips if i'm i'm listening to this and i get thinking oh man i hand make goods i could sell yeah. those online give me one or two tips for someone who wants to start selling handmade products online sure uh so i can just say how i did it you know i um I I started on Etsy, you know, again, you have a marketplace that's there that that can sort of validate your product. And if you're looking at being really serious, it's going to teach you a lot about search engine optimization. It's going to teach you a lot about pricing. You're going to be able to see your competitors, what they're doing and what's working for them. Um, And then the other really big thing that maybe I touched a little bit on is customer service. So if anyone ever has a problem with your product, use it as a learning example. Don't take it personally and wow the customer. So for us, you know, if anyone ever has a problem with a wallet, my general response is keep it. Let's make you a new one. Let's make it better. Um, you know, give it to a friend and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make you happy no matter what. I don't care how annoying you are. And uh, you know, we've, we've got our best customers just by putting up with, with nonsense that most people wouldn't put up with. Huh? So just do that. Do all that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just do do everything I do. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and sorry, Kurt. The other thing is just do it. Like don't don't sit around thinking about you know your perfect logo. Don't sit around thinking about what the perfect this that and the other is. Just go out and do it. Just exactly what I said. Do it. Don't don't uh, don't be a entrepreneur. I guess is the phrase. Yeah, a entrepreneur. I but I, I think to your point, you're right. Um, one of the things that stops people is perfectionism as procrastination. Yep. Where like you're like, well, I just can't launch my site because this isn't perfect yet. Can I give you? Can I give you a funny anecdote on that? Please do. On that. So for our logo, uh, when I first started, this is like the epitome of just doing it. I took a piece of scrap paper that I still have hanging up in my office, and I just wrote "pop off leather" with a sharpie. Took a picture of it with my cell phone, and that's been my logo for the last six years. <laughs> that's I it. assumed it was like something fancy done in Illustrator. No, man. Nope, just sharpie. Nope. Yep, that's great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And clearly, you have you've got a, a million dollar business. The Sharpie logo is in no way stopping you. No man, that's cool. If uh, people want to get your fine leather goods, and I have your your Apple Watch strap, where should they go? Uh, to our website, popoffleather p o p o v leather dot com. Beautiful, and I will link to that in the show notes. Ryan, awesome. this has been excellent. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks for having me. Big news from our friends at Out of the Sandbox this month. Their newest theme just launched. It's called Flux. And it's for those of us who loved all the bells and whistles in Turbo, but thought, I need more of this. That's where Flex is a game changer for you. It can be configured in an endless number of ways, thanks to more layout and section options than ever, more granular control of settings, and easy addition of custom CSS through the theme editor. It's perfect for development agencies like ourselves, as well as e-commerce entrepreneurs like you looking to create a unique online store experience for your customers. Now here's the coolest part. Flex has a new Demo Shop Import feature 
that allows you to fast track your shop setup based on any of 12 demo shops. You get all of the theme settings, layouts, content, and sections used in that demo shop of your choice applied automatically to your store. You can check Flex out right now at outofthesandbox.com. And if you like it, take 20% off the purchase price when you use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's outofthesandbox.com and code PODCAST20. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.